أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ونبينا أبي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى آله الطيبين الطاهرين السلام عليكم brothers and sisters I hope everyone is uh, doing well and welcome to another episode of the Tafsir of Dua Kumail uh, podcast in the previous episode the last episode that we did we ended here. Uh, these three lines were the lines that we had spent the most time on, basically. Allahumma la ajidu li Imam Ali was saying that when I look around, I don't see anyone else able to forgive the sins that I have. I also don't see anyone who can conceal my my you know my ugly attributes, my negative attributes, and my negative actions. And I also don't see anyone who can take these wrongdoings of mine and turn them into good deeds. So he was explaining and justifying the idea of why he is coming to the door of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Again, this is to show that when he comes and he asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he is making it clear, I don't have any other options. I don't have anyone else to go to. You're the only one that I can go to, right? And we talked about this in the previous episode, that this makes a big difference in how you approach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do you approach Him and you say, you know what, you're my only hope? Or do you approach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with this kind of, this approach where, you know, if you take care of it, fine. If you don't, whatever. You know, that which approach is it that you're taking? And Imam Ali is obviously taking the approach that, listen, I'm desperate. Like, I have nowhere else to go. Why? Because no one else can do these three things I just talked about. No one else can forgive my sins. No one else can conceal them. And these two are different from one another, right? It's one thing for God to forgive you. It's another thing for God to not let other people know about your wrongdoings, right? Like in, in, in today's world, there are situations where you do something wrong against somebody, right? You wrong somebody and it comes out. And when it comes out, that person, if he's nice enough, right, they might forgive you. But even though they forgive you, it doesn't mean that other people didn't find out about what you did. Right? So those two are different from one another. right? It's one thing for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive us, but then it's another blessing of His that not only He forgives you, He also don't let, doesn't let other people find out what you did. Unless certain situations and circumstances because it's in, in your best interest and stuff like that because you're not learning the lesson, then He has to let other people know. But other than that, uh, He will not only forgive you, He will conceal it right it's like going to someone and bringing up this idea that you've done something wrong and not only do they forgive you they also don't share it with anybody else you see that's two different things so he's saying there are three things you do that nobody else can do you will forgive my sins number two you will conceal it you won't let any other anyone else find out right? and number three is that not only you will forgive and conceal you will actually take them and turn them into good deeds and we talked about this and we said that we have verses of the Qur'an that also touch on this and talk about this topic. And that this these verses of the Qur'an seem to be literal in the sense that God actually um, does that. It's not some metaphor, although some have given that opinion, but it seems as though that is not the case. Because we have verses of the Qur'an about this. We also have multiple ahadith 
uh, pointing out uh, the same point. All right, moving on to the next line. He says, La ilaha illa ans. There is no ilah except for you. All right. Now, I don't want to take too much time here. Just I just want to point out the meaning of the word ilah because this is a word that we hear all the time. Right? We say, La ilaha illallah. Um, or in this particular line of Dark Humayl, he's saying, La ilaha illa ant. There is no ilah but you. Normally, the way we translate this is we say, There's no God but you. Really, in the meaning of the word ilah, there are two or three different meanings. Um, and I'll just point these out and we'll move on. So the first meaning is that Ilah is a person who is uh, worshipped. So in other words, it's saying there is no one who's worshipped other than you. Or there's no one who's worthy of worship other than you. Second meaning of the word Ilah, and there are some who believe in this, is Ilah is the one that you look at and you are mesmerized by. right? You're baffled. Right? So some say Ilah means the one who's so great that when you look at him and his attributes, you are mesmerized. You're lost. Right? Some say that's the meaning of Ilah. And there's also a third, and there's also multiple other meanings as well that uh, other opinions, although they're they um, have less um, you know advocates, so to speak. But the other one is the one who is high and is lofty. All of these meanings have been mentioned for the word ilah. Nonetheless, la ilaha illa ant. This is just to point out that you know these translations that we have of these of these of you know of Arabic terminology in general, it's just not. It can never really you know convey the full meaning of the words that we have in Arabic, and that's not you know that's just the shortcoming of language, right? When you translate one language to another language, that happens specifically when it comes to Arabic that the verses of the Qur'an emphasize and say we sent down this book uh, in Arabic, meaning that it carries it. There's something specific, sp like specifically special <laughs> about Arabic. Um, that becomes even more clear. Nonetheless, La ilaha illa and there is no one worthy of worship other than you. Subhanaka wa bihamdik, you are perfect. You didn't do anything wrong. Subhanaka means to glorify God, right? But glorifying God is just a you know a glorified way of saying God is perfect, right? Pun intended, right? So, like, the reason why I mention this is because I remember growing up, every time like when we were praying, right, and, and our teachers wanted to teach us what like salat meant, right? They used to say, okay, Subhanallah, Subhanallah, Subhanallah. We say it three times, you know, in in ruku we say it, in, in sujud we say it, even in tasbihatul arba'a we say it. Right? And anytime you would ask for a translation or in the textbooks or in the books you were reading, right, you would get a translation and it would say glorify. And I was wondering as a younger child, like, what does this glorifying mean? Glorifying basically means you're saying God is perfect. That's literally like what, what it's trying to say. So, yes, glorify is obviously would be a more uh, precise way of uh, pointing it out. But it means that God is perfect. He's nothing wrong with him. There's no flaws. If there are any shortcomings, it's coming from who? It's coming from you and me. This is what this Subhanaka is trying to say. Subhanaka wa bihamdik. You are glory. You're perfect. And I am praising you. Okay, so where did this problem start from? Dalamtu nafsi. I did wrong to myself. That was the problem. The problem was that I was, you know, I was the one who didn't see the best interest of myself. And then he continues. And this is the line that I want to emphasize and elaborate on. I wronged myself and I, ha I became audacious 
had all that audacity, the boldness, because of what? Because of my ignorance. Right? In other words, I felt so proud and so strong and so bold. Why? Because I was ignorant. Ignorant of what? Ignorant of the fact that this deed, this action of mine is going to hurt myself the more, the more, more than anybody else. I was ignorant of the fact that I'm dealing with someone who has authority over everything. But I wasn't understanding that. It's very beautiful, right? It's saying that the reason why I was bold was because I was ignorant or in my words, I was dumb. That's the reason why I was so ignorant. Uh, I was so bold, right? If you ever think about it, like one example that comes to mind is if you imagine someone who's joking around, right? He's playing around, but he's playing around with a, like a gun, for example, right? Just, you know, playing around and fumbling around with like a, a gun, for example. This person is a person who's this is a person who's very bold, but his boldness doesn't come from knowledge of him actually knowing the situation. No, it comes from the fact that he's ignorant. He's so ignorant, he doesn't understand the imminent threats that's right around the corner. That's why he's so bold. That's why he has so much audacity, right? So this part of the dua is saying the reason why I was acting so bold and I was making decisions about my life and I was saying, you know what? Even if God wants me to do this, I'm going to do it a different way. This was all because I was extremely ignorant, right? Um, this ignorance is what made me bold. Otherwise, if I understood who I'm dealing with, I would not be this bold. I would not have that audacity, right? To just put this into perspective, there's a story that many of us might have heard from the life of Ali ibn Abi Talib at the time that he was Khalifa and he was walking in the, you know, in the alleys of the capital. And as he was walking around, he saw this lady who was carrying water, right? This elderly lady is carrying water. And um, he came and asked her, said, well, it's hot and you're carrying this water. Where's your husband? How come your husband isn't working uh, and taking care of this for you? Right. And he, uh, the lady responded and said, well, you know, my husband isn't alive, right? Um, this Ali ibn Abi Talib, he didn't know this is Ali that he's, that she is speaking to. Um, she said, you know, this Ali ibn Abi Talib, this Khalifa of ours, uh, he sent my husband to the borders and he was killed in one of the battles. And now here I am, I'm left. I have, I have to feed these children that I have at home, right? And where's Ali ibn Abi Talib to help me now? is basically what she was saying, right? And the story continues that she went home inside the house and Ali ibn Abi Talib went with her and asked her what she would need help with. Did she need help making the food or did she help need help, you know, um, basically uh, playing with the children? And she said, I'll make the food. You can keep the children busy. And he sat down and he acted like, you know, like an animal and he was playing with the sh as if he was uh, like a sheep. And we know the whole story, right? And then at the end, one of the neighbors, it seems as though, one of the neighbors of that lady comes and sees Ali ibn Abi Talib and says, what, what is he doing here? What is he working? Why is he working in your house? Right? And the lady didn't know. And, and when she found out, she asked for forgiveness and whatnot. Right? And, and there are more details, of course, to the story. But this is, this is when you are bold, right? You have audacity to tell someone what to do and what not to do. But the reason why you're so bold is just because of your ignorance, right? It's not because you know actually what's going on. No, it's because you're so ignorant, you feel like you can, uh, you know, boss people around and you can tell them what to do and what not to do. Anyways, this idea of our mistakes coming from jahl is something that you also find in the verses of the Qur'an.
right? The verses of the Quran say, When we created the human being and we were, giving, we were going to give him this opportunity to be tested by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to have the chance to do good and bad, right? And we wanted to entrust him with this taklif, meaning this, this, this situation where he could choose between good and bad. The verses of the Quran says, everyone turned this down. Everyone said, we don't want this free will. We don't want this taklif, right? Go give it to somebody else. Everyone meaning every other creature in the whole world. They said, we don't want to take this on. Because they were afraid of it. But what did the human being do? And the human being took this on. He took this on and he was ignorant. He doesn't understand the threat right, that comes with this, the danger that comes with this. So this is what this تَجَرَّعْتُ bijahli is talking about. Another point that this line is talking about, and we will have in the other, uh, later on in documents, so I won't elaborate on it too much, is this, that the Imam is also trying to say, listen, if I did something wrong, it's not that I knew what I was doing. It was just out of my ignorance in the sense that I didn't really mean to disobey you, right? I just got tricked. My desires tricked me. It's not that I hate you. It's not that I don't like you. It's just that I was tricked into this by my desires. More to come on that later on in the rest of documents, so I'm not going to elaborate on that uh, too much, right? But basically the line is saying, listen, if someone does wrong, if someone does haram, it's because they're ignorant. This is why in the verses of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَا يَحْسَبَنَّ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا سَبَقُوا Don't think these people who don't believe in us, don't think they are getting ahead. Don't think they're ahead of us. Don't think they are outsmarting us. No one's smarter than us. In Islam, we believe that the smarter you are, the more practicing you become, right? And the the less smart you are, right, the less practicing uh, uh, you are, right? When I say practicing, I don't mean it necessarily in in a in a very superficial manner. I mean in all the different aspects of Islam, right? There's akhlaq, there's the day-to-day -day rulings that we have, and the different aspects, right? Because when we say practicing, usually that that has uh, a certain a connotation to a certain type of practicing. Right? or practicing some aspects of our religion, the more outward and apparent aspects of our religion. I don't mean in that way. I mean in a broad sense. Right. In other words, if someone is smart from the Islamic perspective, they will look at this life right, and they will say, well, I'm living here for 50, 60 years. If I go through it and I do a good job, I will have this life forever in heaven. What's What part of that equation doesn't make sense? If anyone is smart, they're going to take that. Right? They're going to take that opportunity. They're going to make the best of that opportunity and that you know situation as they can. Right? This is what the Quran teaches us. Because the kuffar of Quraysh and, and the disbelievers, they also point to the Muslimin. And they say, these guys, they're not smart. We're here enjoying ourselves and these guys are not smart enough to enjoy themselves. The verses of the Quran say, tell them that they're not outsmarting us. A person who is Muslim, he believes in God and he practices right to the best of his ability. That person is smarter because he's the one who's going to win at the end of the day, right? And this is, by the way, the feeling that we get, you know, living in this society and, and the culture that we live in is the same thing. That if you practice and you give up certain pleasures and you give up certain rights 
or certain, maybe not even your right, but certain conveniences, I should say. Uh, that's the word I was looking for. If you give up certain conveniences, you're the one who's ignorant and you're the one who who's acting, uh, you know, uh, is not thinking in, in terms of their own best interest. Right? But the Quran teaches us that no, the one who gives up conveniences for the right reason, not just the conveniences that even Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told you that they're halal, not those, the ones that he has said that they are haram, when someone gives up those things, this person is going gonna, is gonna to win at the end of the day. In this culture, we are taught that no, if you abide by a certain dress code, right, and this dress code causes inconveniences for you, as it does definitely for our sisters in particular, right, um, that, that you're not the smart one. You're not the one who's really thinking about this in the right. You're the backward one. You're the one who, who doesn't belong to this century, basically, right? You don't belong to these times. That's what we're taught, unfortunately, right? If you are a, a brother, right, and there are certain things that are haram for you, right? And because of that, because of certain limitations you have, maybe in your career, for example, or even if a sister in terms of their career, for example, whatever the case may be, we're taught that, oh, you guys, you guys are going about this in the wrong way. You guys are the ones who aren't smart enough, right? But the verses of the Quran teach us that no, if you set aside these conveniences, you do them for the right reasons, right? And it's not just cultural, it's there's a religious aspect to it, right? Then no, you set aside those conveniences, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward you. You're the one who's the smart one. I'm not the one who's dumb. The one who is living his life for only these 50, 60 years and afterwards he's willing to go ruin his life in the here. He, that's the one who's not smart about things. He's not doing things in a smart way, right? The one who gives up some things here and there for bigger causes, no, he's the smart one, right? And in our cultures, in our communities even sometimes, when there are situations where someone does this internally, we will look at that person and we will consider that person to not be too intelligent, right? We'll say, oh yeah, that person, he's giving up this or that. Yeah, he's falling behind. Well, that's the way we look at things, unfortunately, right? The Quran says, Tell them that they're not getting ahead of us. They're not outsmarting us. The person who's smart will be the one who will actually obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Nonetheless, moving on from this line, I, I, I was so brave because I was uh, ignorant. That was the reason for my uh, braveness. Another reason why, oh Allah, this ignorance of mine was taking place is because you have always remembered me. You've always been nice to me. Right? And you have always favored me. You've always given me blessings. Right? Because of that, I got used to it. Like whatever I do, right? It seems like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's love is always there for me. If I do, even if, even if I disobey him, right? He doesn't punish me right away. And that adds to the audacity of a person, right? That's why in parenting, Parenting 101, <laughs> they say that if your child does something wrong, right, you can't just like reward them sometimes and punish them other times and they won't know what's going on. You have to show them the consequences, right? Because if you don't show them the consequences, right, then what will happen? Then, you know, they, they, they'll have that audacity, right, and the boldness and they'll just continue doing what they're doing. There has to be some sort of, uh, you know, consequences. With God, of course, it's different. His consequences will always be there, but the serious consequences won't come our way because if those serious consequences come our way, we'll probably be punished and we won't even be alive anymore, 
Right? So God shows us consequences in a different way. Nonetheless, what I felt so comfortable with, right? Sukun means to feel calm and comfortable with something. I felt so comfortable because for as long as I can remember, you've always been thinking of me and you've always been favoring me. In other words, he's saying the reason why I was so bold was because you've always been so nice to me. Right? And because of that, I went ahead and I did all of these mistakes. But this is not to say it's God's, it's God's fault. That's why at the beginning he said, Subhanaka wa bihamdik. Right? You're pure, you're glorified, you're perfect. You did things right. I was the one who messed up here. Allahumma maulai. Oh Allah, my master. How many of these bad deeds were there that I had did, that I had done, that you covered them up for me, right? You didn't, you didn't share them with other people, right? Think about this right now. If you're, if you're listening to this, wherever you're listening to this, in the car, at home, whatever the case may be, right? Th just take a moment to think about all of the things that we have done that were wrong. All of the mistakes that we have committed that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has concealed from other people. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has not let other people find out about. Right? Once you start thinking about it and putting it into perspective, it actually kind of becomes very scary. Right? About all the bad things that we have done. And these lines continue. There's more to be discussed. Uh, about these lines. These are very important lines in this dua of Kumail. Uh, inshallah, in the next episode, we'll continue from this point onwards.